If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheiks are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheiks bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number three of the World According to Zig podcast for this May 14, 2018. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show, which is one of the very few places where you can still get the truth about what's going on in the news from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. This hour number three uh, is particularly interesting because uh, it is an interview that I did today in person with an astrophysicist named Dr. Jeffrey Bennett about the issue of global warming. Dr. Bennett is actually speaking at UCLA tonight, where I drove from my house <laughs> north of L.A. to go see him and interview him. He was exceedingly nice. In fact, he even paid for my parking, which was really, well, <laughs> much appreciated <laughs> since it was a real pain in the ass to get to UCLA's campus, even though the traffic was perfectly fine. But finding parking was a was a real difficulty, as is always the case uh, in Los Angeles, and even finding him on UCLA's campus was a problem, but it was worth it because the interview was, I think, somewhat unique, and that's why I, I bothered to even do this, because he's speaking tonight on the issue of, effectively, teaching global warming or explaining global warming to global warming skeptics. Now, I'm a global warming skeptic, and one of the things about the global warming climate change debate, and by the way, I respect Dr. Bennett because he actually uses global warming. He doesn't check it out and go to the climate change, the catch-all, <laughs> which is my first suspicion that there's something wrong here when they changed it from global warming to climate change so that everything could fit underneath that umbrella that wasn't perfect, uh, which, of course, is inevitably always going to be the case in, a, in an earth this large. But I digress. Uh, but one of the things that really bugs me about this whole issue is that the other side is so certain that they're right that they rarely, very rarely ever even really debate my side. In fact, they look at my side as... Um, yeah, basically that's what we are. This is a religion. And if you're one of those people who believes that global warming is not real... He said it again. <laughs> then you have spoken against their religion. Now, I don't think that Dr. Bennett really fits into this uh, global warming as a religion category because he says, and you'll hear him in just a moment say, that he actually hopes that he's wrong, which didn't fully make sense to me because part of the theory that he is wrong is that actually if there is global warming, it's good. Just today, there was a, an article in a, in a major British uh, publication by a, a guy by the name of Matt Ridley that concludes exactly that, that the Earth is far greener than it has ever been, or at least in modern times been, than it is right now, and that this is good, and that to the extent it's because of global warming, we should be happy about this. And then you listen to my interview with Dr. Bennett. He actually acknowledges, in fact, he acknowledges several things. If you listen very carefully, he, he sees almost every major point I make, but then moves on. But one of the things that he sees is that if not for man-made global warming, in his view, we might be headed for an ice age. Well, 
Okay, well, what's the problem with that? Anyway, the point here is it's very rare to find someone who is willing to engage on this topic mano a mano and have, you know, I'm sure he didn't expect it to be a debate, but this, this is somewhere between a discussion and a debate that you're about to hear with uh, Dr. Bennett taking the side uh, that uh, man-made global warming is real and it's a real danger to the earth and to humanity. I take the position that global warming may not be real, underline may, I don't think we know. And if it is real, I'm not sure that it's a bad thing. And even if it is real and it is a bad thing, I'm not sure there's anything we can do about it <laughs> because the, the problem is just so large and you know, there's, it's not reversible at this point. Uh, that's my basic point of view. So that was the setup for my discussion uh, this afternoon with Dr. Jeffrey Bennett. So I'm on the campus of UCLA with Dr. Jeffrey Bennett. He's an astrophysicist who is speaking here at UCLA tonight on a topic that I find very interesting, which is uh, basically uh, teaching uh, global warming to skeptics. Uh, Dr. Bennett, is that a fair assessment of your, your topic tonight? Well, I certainly, you know, my goal is to try to reach skeptics and convince people that, that this is not the political issue that they might have thought and that actually the solutions are ones we can all agree on and, and come together on. And you've written a book called A Global Warming Primer, answering your questions about the science, the consequences, and the solutions. Now, I am uh, very open about the fact that I consider myself a global warming skeptic. And so I've, I found the topic of your speech to be very interesting. And I, I guess the first thing I'm curious about is I thought the debate was over. Uh, you know, I, I keep hearing the debate is over. And so why are, why are you needing to even do this to begin with? Well, so one of the questions is, is what do you mean by the debate? So there's the basic science, which hasn't been debated for 150 years, and then there's the very specific predictions of how bad it's going to get, basically. And the basic science, you won't find any scientist anywhere, even the ones who are you know, very, very skeptical of, of what we need to do about this, who will dispute the basic science, that it is going to warm up as a result of what we've been doing to the atmosphere. What you find is debate about how bad that's going to be. Well, let, let me, uh, since you want to answer questions uh, you know, of, of the skeptics, I have, I have several. And uh, I look at this in um, somewhat basic terms, but it, it seems to me that at every level there's a problem with what I perceive your argument to be. The most basic level is, you know, my family and I go to Yosemite uh, National Park every year for vacation. We're going again this year. Yosemite Valley was created by a glacier that melted about six to eight uh, or eight to ten thousand years ago. What happened to that glacier? Natural global warming. All right. So and we understand exactly how that happens, which is why we know that what we're doing now is going to accentuate that natural process. But, but wait a minute. Hold on. So the globe warmed on its own to an extent where the ice age ended and the glacier melted and and did the earth collapse at that point or i mean what in fact didn't man come about after that well we can't we didn't come about after that but the current interglacial is one of the reasons that we are so successful on this planet i know your readers can't uh, see the graph i'm showing you here but that's the earth's temperature swings over the last right. 800,000 years right. they're big swings this is the Earth's carbon dioxide swings. We know right. why these are tied together, and we know what triggers these natural swings. Okay, but well, how, first, I, I, I need to get past my first basic question, which is those natural swings have occurred long before man had any possible influence. And, and, That's right. And, there, and the Earth is still here, That's and the Earth is functioning just fine. So what's the problem? Well, it's not a question of whether the Earth is going to function fine. It's a question of whether our civilization is going to be able to function fine as conditions change. And so what we are anticipating is a fairly significant warming caused by the emissions that we've been adding to the atmosphere. And that requires either that you adapt or you have serious problems. And the concern that most of us have 
is that we cannot adapt fast enough to... All right, so okay, the first point here, here to me is, okay, the Earth is warmed several times prior to man having any influence, and you could argue that it's actually been good to Earth. I mean, heck, there was a story out just today that the, the Earth is now 14% greener than uh, it has been in the recent past, uh, and that, uh, and that the, there's even concerns in the global warming community. This is uh, information that is concerning because it seems to go against the grain of, of what you guys are preaching. But do you have a reaction, by the way, to that? You seem to acknowledge the existence of well, that story. There's, there's, I don't know that particular story, right, but, okay. but when things change, things happen as a consequence. And so that's why I'm saying there's two different debates. The first debate is, are we causing the Earth to warm up? And that, I think the answer is very clearly yes. The okay, well, hold on a second. How do we know that? Because it's what I call global warming one, two, three, and it goes back to those cycles that we've talked about. We know that gases like carbon dioxide trap heat and makes planets warmer than they would be otherwise. That's how we ex understand the temperature of every planet, including Venus, Earth, Mars, um, and we know that we're adding more to the atmosphere because we've been measuring that fact. But, but, but again, Doctor, this is the part I, I can't get past. We know that the Earth warmed prior to man. Right. And if the Earth is theoretically warming now, which I'm, I'll get to in a moment, whether it really is, how do we know that man is responsible? We know that what we are doing is adding the gas to the atmosphere that causes the atmosphere to warm. In every one of those cases, in the past, it's happened because of changes in the carbon dioxide level. Well, and that's it. happened, you're right, in the past, those were natural changes right. that caused it. But it's like saying, you know, volcanoes emit pollution that are bad for your health. That doesn't mean emitting a bunch more pollutants is a good idea. Well, I don't, no one's in favor of more pollution. I'm not in favor of more pollution. Right. Um, as far as the order of carbon dioxide and temperature, though, there are those, and I, I'm not an expert, but I have decent eyes, and I have looked at graphs that indicate to me that that, that might be being misinterpreted by your side of the argument, and that, in fact, it might have been temperature that came first and carbon dioxide second. How do you respond to that? So what you have here is a feedback process. Rising temperature causes the oceans to release some of their carbon dioxide because that's, most of the Earth's carbon dioxide is in the oceans, not in the atmosphere. And the, when, just like when you heat up a can of soda, it can't hold as much carbon dioxide. So when you warm the temperature a bit, you release carbon dioxide. That causes the temperature to warm more. So it's a spiraling cycle. So the question is, which triggers which? The answer we know is the trigger is actually small changes in Earth's orbit and rotation axis that cause more sunlight to be reaching the Earth. So in a sense, the tr initial trigger is always temperature. Okay. But that, so that, you're acknowledging then that, that it was temperature first, not then carbon dioxide. In, in the natural cycles, that's correct. But what we know is that one feeds on the other. So if you now inject the carbon dioxide in, you're going to... Okay. But, add to that process. All right. Now, the problem I have with that is I don't think we have enough time or data, especially data that has been accumulated in a consistent fashion, to be able to come to that conclusion. Why, why do you think that we... What, the, on what the, basis the do you say that we do? The data clear. We've been oh. making direct measurements in the atmosphere since the 1950s. We have ice core records <laughs> Wait, going back for 800,000 years. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. 1950s is a blink of an but, eyelash. But we, but we then have ice core data that <laughs> take us back 800,000 years. Right. That graph that I showed you, the 800,000 right. years, comes from ice core data. Oh. We know the ice core data is correct because we can validate it from other things. For example, it gives yeah. the right answers for the times when we've been measuring. We no. also have other ways of measuring from the past, and they all agree. But even within the data that we have from the 1950s, it has been accumulated in different ways because technology has dramatically improved. We have satellite technology now, which we never did before. So as a scientist, you know that if you collect data in a different way, then that can impact the nature of the data. It can. So you always have to go back and check. Are you still getting the same answers for the periods where you have overlaps? And, and we always do. What do you mean by that, having the same answers for the overlap? I don't so, understand what that means. So we are still measuring in exactly the same way we were in the 1950s, but we also have other ways of measuring it too. 
And the two agree. So you can't say the ones from the 50s were wrong when other methods are still giving what do you say When you say they agree, what do you mean? They give the same answers. You, what you, one measurement and another method of measurement give the same answer. Excuse my ignorance. The same answer. I mean, what do you you mean? How do you go back to nineteen? You're talking about for the the temperatures as they were in nineteen fifties, or the temperatures are now. You you used a particular technique to measure carbon dioxide in the nineteen fifties. It was Mm -hmm. balloons on Mauna Loa. Mm -hmm. Now you have other ways of measuring it all around the world. Mm -hmm. But the balloons on Mauna Loa are still being used, and they are giving today the same answer as all the other methods. So there's no reason why you would think there was anything wrong with the data from the 1950s. It's been verified by... Well, maybe we're talking about two different things, or maybe I'm just not understanding, but but to me, as a a layperson, I look at this and I go, okay, we have very limited data to begin with Mm -hmm. in the the course of human, and not just, forget about human existence, the existence of the world, less than a, a, a blink of the eye, right? You acknowledge that, obviously. And then during that time period, the way we've collected that data has dramatically changed. And the not other not dramatically, no. What do you mean? In, 19, in the 1950s, we had nothing compared to what we have today. We have better technology, but the basic methods are still the same. We're just use, applying better. See, I just I have a I have a I, I have a concern about the even the notion of a global temperature. So, I, I mean. If you look, I mean, heck, even since the 1950s, human beings are living in vastly different places of the world today than they did in the 1950s, largely because, by the way, air conditioning exists. So because of air conditioning, are we tending to live in warmer areas than we used to or colder areas? And the answer is is rather obvious. And so to me... Well, actually, the answer is not as obvious. It might be obvious for relatively wealthy Americans. It's not obvious for the rest of the world that hasn't had that. But um, but you would you would acknowledge I mean I mean using Southern California as an example right in the 1950s who was taking the temperature in, in San Bernardino County and, uh, actually and, there were weather stations but <laughs> but, um, but but you're you're making the assumption in a sense that scientists are stu- too stupid to understand no, I'm not. that no. that the methods have changed and that you have to make an account for them when you do these things okay well let me I'm not actually willing to cede I'm I'm willing to cede almost everything you say. I'm still confused because, again, I go back to the Earth is warm many times before. It seems like temperature became the, the factor that caused carbon dioxide. And then there was, I agree that there was a, this relationship of one increases, the other increases, but then it reverts back. See, so what causes the reversion back? The same cycles of the right. Earth's rotation and orbit. So in principle, sometime in the next few thousand years, if we stop doing what we are doing, the Earth will revert into an ice age in a few thousand years. Um, <laughs> so wait a minute. So now you're making the argument that we sh- we need to keep polluting so that we don't go into an ice age. Are you planning to be alive in a few thousand years? No, but I'm talking about as far as civilization is concerned. I mean, so it, at that point, that might be useful. At this point, we are adding to the Earth's temperature in ways that are changing our planet that are going to be very damaging to our civilization. See, I just don't... I, I, to me, to make a decision that large and to change dramatically, which is what we're doing here in California, mm-hmm. dramatically changing the way our economy works in order to combat a problem that I'm not sure we're responsible for, and I'm not sure also that it's even that big of a deal. I, I actually think it might be a good thing do you, well, what, what, you don't think it's potentially a good thing that we have global warming if it exists? I, I can tell you that you will not find any scientists anywhere who dispute the basics that we are going to cause warming to the planet. What you will find is a very small percentage, a couple percent, who think it might be a good thing. I think they are incorrect. Well, let me, um, I, I referenced earlier, there, and I'm sorry, I, did, I thought you had seen it, but you apparently did not. There's this guy named Matt Ridley who wrote in a major publication today an article based on a speech given to the Global Warming Policy Foundation. And it concludes by saying, so far, the benefits of global greening, this is what I talk about with the world is becoming far, the earth is far greener than it has been. The, the benefits of global greening have been greater than expected, while the costs of global warming have been smaller than expected, and the price of reducing carbon dioxide 
dioxide emissions has been higher than expected. That price is falling more heavily on poor than on rich. The evidence suggests that this imbalance will persist for most of this century, perhaps longer. It is time for a rethink. How, would, how do you respond to that? So if that were true, then that would indeed be a time for a rethink. But you have to always look at your sources. In the case of Matt Ridley, for example, he's one of the few that I've actually studied up on because he's written similar articles to that where I've gone to find the research reports that he based his article on, and they actually say the opposite of what he claims in his editorials that they say. So he has no credibility in my eyes because he doesn't appear to know how to read the papers that he's citing. Um, so the question is, if it was so clear, why would the vast majority of climate scientists who are all smart people not be agreeing with him? That's a great question. And to me, it's the most interesting element of this debate. And so I'm glad you brought it up. And I want to I want to talk to you about that. Let me posit a theory, because uh, you know we hear this statistic a lot, 97% of climate scientists agree, and that therefore the consensus is in, the debate is over, and that we must move along. Uh, uh, that always makes me very nervous, because uh, as a contrarian thinker to begin with, I've seen many times when the conventional wisdom has been not just a little bit wrong, but a lot wrong. And it feels to me, Doctor, as if this issue may be a classic case of, uh, of groupthink where people have an incentive, they, they, a confirmation bias, and a career incentive to go along with what everybody else is saying. What would, your career, what would happen to your career, Dr. Bennett, if all of a sudden, if you started decrying the, the, the global warming movement? Would it be helped or would it be hurt? Would you be speaking at UCLA tonight? Oh, it, I can tell you for a fact, because I know some of the people involved in this, if I were to suddenly start claiming this was all a hoax, I would be making a ton of money because there are willing to pay people who are willing to pay someone like UCLA me. UCLA would have you speak tonight. UCLA might not, but but I would have the Koch brothers, lots of other people raining money down on me to, to say, hey, I converted here. Um, yeah, there's no there's no benefit to me. You don't think that academic, you just acknowledged with, that UCLA would probably not have you speak tonight if you became a global warming is not real person. Would they, would, do you think that UCLA should let me speak tonight if I tell them that astrology is real as an astronomer? I'm not sure that that's the same thing. It is. I mean, no, no it's not. Because there's no, no you're, you're, evidence for the astrology and there's no evidence for this counter position that no, you're talking about. No, 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 no. See, that, see. <laughs> so you're, you are uh, relating being a global warming skeptic. See, see, I think you have the burden of proof all screwed up. See, to me, the burden of proof is on you guys because you are trying to change our behavior and you're trying to tell us something that will happen in the future. Astrology is is a very different animal. I'm not. I, I couldn't. Just trying to tell you something that happens. No, 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 no. The burden would be on astrology to prove that it's valid, which they have failed miserably. You guys have the burden of proof to prove to us that that this is real, this is a problem, and this is worth fixing. I would agree with that. And the proof is there. There is this book is full of data that show you that. I, like I said, we know that carbon dioxide makes planets warmer than they would be otherwise. We're increasing the amount, therefore it's going to warm up. There are predicted consequences from that, way beyond the warming of the atmosphere, the warming of the oceans, increases in extreme weather events, increases whoa, 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 in whoa, whoa, rainfall. Hold on. hold on a second. Wait, this, this notion that there's increases in extreme weather events, I see absolutely no evidence of that at all. I can At show all. you a graph Did, in this book. No, no, wait, wait, hold and on that, a second. In the, last, in the last decade, we've had fewer tornadoes and fur, fewer hurricanes in the United States than we had in the previous few decades. I mean, there, there's no evidence at all that that's the case. I, 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 where, where, where do you get your evidence from? No, the, no, 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 hold on a second. The United States is not the world. I understand that. Okay. I'm well and, aware of that. And I have here in front of me that you don't want to look at. No, no, I'm lots happy to look data. at it. The, the insurance companies are the 
the ones who collect the biggest right. data on right. extreme weather events. But that we have lar many more people living in many more areas of the world and television coverage of disasters instantaneously, Again, and which and we never had before. the insurance company people were too right. dumb to recognize and, those changes and take that into account when they well, give you this data. I'm happy, happy to take a look at whatever the insurance companies I, I would agree that they would, in theory, be a good source of the information, except they haven't been around uh, in their current form for, for all that for centuries. No, no, no. They, they're in the in the current form of, of the issue so of you're what's insured. Accept things that come from data from the past ten years because you think we no, just magically no, 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 no. What what bothers me, doctor? And I don't know if you're in this category or not. I don't think you are, but maybe you know you can respond yourself. What what bothers me is I see all the time where um, that people on your side will use weather events. To bolster their so argument, and then and then hold on, let me just finish. Why do you call it my side? I'm not on a side. I'm looking at scientific. Well, your evidence. speech tonight is about uh, teaching about global warming science. to skeptics. It's about mm. the science okay. and the scientific right. evidence. Right. You seem to be assuming that I have some horse in this game that that I want there to be global warming. I well, don't. You believe that there is because yeah. I've studied the evidence. For, right. For so you're arguing years. that there is. So that's your side. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with that. But so. Is there a side if the doctor tells you you have cancer? Is there another side? Well, doctors are wrong all the time. I mean, uh, when they <laughs> show you the tumor and you yeah, see it going I, I, inside. I'm yeah. not suggesting that you should ignore that, but there, I should, a second opinion is often a good thing. Right, There's but a, we, we have, like you said, the 97%. We but, have but, not but, just second opinions, but, we have thousands. Well, but hold on a second. And then, you guys often do this where you, you, you relate guys, yourselves you to, see, to medical doctors. See, medical doctors... You know, we know the data much better because the, the, do the body is a much more difficult system. Okay, but... Than, Medical doctors have a reputation for predicting what's going to happen to you with very high aptitude. One of the things that bothers me about whatever you want to call it, if it's your side or whatever, but the side of the global warming is real and it's, the debate is over, move on, is why can't you guys give us a decent prediction on something that's going to happen in the future? Because every, it's every we, I have yet... We do. It's going well, to give me, between two give, and five degrees. No, 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 no. no. Well, well, that's great. You'll all be dead and no one will be accountable no, for that. No, and that's so, going to be happening on... Well, no, what, no, you, what, what, I want, what I mean is, no, I want... Give me an example, and I'm being this very sincere here, and, and clearly Al Gore has failed at this at every possible turn. Give me an example of, of a, a prediction that was made... 10 years ago, 20 years ago, for what will happen today or in the near future that has turned out to be right. The, I can't the, find the, one. The predictions of what was going to happen to the temperature of the planet, the predictions of what no, was no. going to happen to extreme storms, the predictions <laughs> of what was going to happen with sea level. Every single one well, of those well, where, has checked out. No, it, uh, no, it has not. Where, 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 why are do, there... Do you want it to be precise? You want us to tell you the be exact in, number? I want, we can't do that. No, we you, can't, just like a doctor can't tell you exactly when the cancer is going to kill you. I, we can tell you that this is hap going to happen, and we've been telling you that for decades, and it yeah. is happening. The idea that, that predictions of global temperature increase have been fulfilled, I think, is dubious for, for no other reason why we're, then we're relying on your, the, the same people to provide us the data to back up their own predictions. And, and I, that, that is absolutely false. Right. The, the people who do the temperature measurements are not the same people right. who do the theoretical where, predictions. Where's the impact of this? Show me where the impact. I mean, the polar ice caps are still there. Yeah, we're still melting. We can see. We have measured the melting very clearly. Again, I have the data right here in the book for you. So you, the last couple of years where they've increased, you don't they buy have that. They have not increased. So you don't buy that. It's not a question of buying it. They okay. have not. Uh -huh. We have the data that show the continuing but, but, decrease. I, let, I want to go back to this weather versus climate thing because I see this all the time where the global warming people and, you know, the, your, whatever again, your side, whatever, often use what, what, are, what you would all, your own people would call weather events and you say that's aha proof. Who's my people? Um, just Al about Gore? Al Gore, Jerry Brown, Jerry Brown <laughs> the entire Reagan? academia. Ronald Reagan? I Margaret Thatcher? I, what did Ronald Reagan say about global warming? He actually didn't say anything about it. Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> I don't know what Margaret Thatcher said about global warming, but I'm not sure that 
I would care that much, but go oh, ahead. You don't you don't trust Margaret Thatcher? Well, what she's been out of it for quite a while. I'm no yeah, longer she with said us. this in 1989. <laughs> what we are doing to the world by adding greenhouse gases to the air at an unprecedented rate is new in the experience of Earth. It is mankind mm -hmm. and his activities which right. are changing the environment of our planet in damaging and dangerous and what ways. what has happened since 1989? Exactly what, what Margaret Thatcher what, no, predicted. Where's the damage? I don't, I don't, where's the damage? The damage is in the, is in the storms, the sea level, okay. the higher temperatures. You want to close your eyes and not see these no, things. No, I, I watch very real. carefully. I watch very carefully. And every year when the Masters is on in for the first weekend in April, uh, the azaleas bloom in almost exactly that time. And it's amazing Again, how... I have data in here that shows that spring is now coming in about eight days earlier than it was a couple decades boy, ago. Boy, that's... Well, so if that, you're if watching, true, that's... Boy, that's terrible. You're watching one spot. You're no, watching one spot, no, again, and you're claiming that that represents the world. I mean, that's kind of crazy. No, when I'm you using. I, no, it's a it's a data point that we have, but because the, the way everyone that, watches that. Exactly. So, who are you going to trust? The person who gives you a single data point, or the people no, who have looked at data points using, for the entire no, globe and when averaged I'm, them out? Let's go back to this. I want to try one more time with the weather climate thing, because this to me really bugs me. Uh, like, for instance, I mentioned Jerry Brown, governor here in California. A couple years ago, he dramatically told us we are in perpetual new a new perpetual drought in California, which I found to be hilarious since California is mostly a desert to begin with. And and global studies have indicated that the last 130 years in California have actually been wetter than it was prior to that. Um, and yet. Almost immediately after that, we had two winters of very strong rains, and most of the state is no longer in drought or severe drought conditions. And yet, if the other side, if people on my side say, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, it's cold in, uh, in late April uh, where it shouldn't be cold, you all say, no, no, that's weather, not climate. I see that as hypocrisy. Where am I wrong? Uh, you're assuming Jerry Brown is a scientist. He is no, not. No. Um, so, so there is no hypocrisy unless you caricature and play a straw man out of what it is. The, 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 the predictions of global warming are very clear. You are going to have more energy in the system because you are trapping more heat. More heat is going to lead to more evaporation. It also is going to mean more total water in the atmosphere, which is going to lead to more rainfall. So you're going to get periods what you expect to happen from global warming is more extremes. More extreme droughts, more extreme downpours. You're going to get more of the extremes, less of the what you used to call normal events. And that is exactly what we have been seeing. And you just pointed it out for yourself. We've had the drought, and then we had these big heavy rains. Well, everything is fine here in California right now. I mean, everything's green. I, I mean, there, there's water uh, where there should be water. I, I, I mean, you, should we be concerned about it long term? Sure. Uh, water conservation is important, but the idea that we're going to change our entire economy because of a couple of dry summers in a row, or winters in a row, which is natural in a desert, I mean, you, when you have... So, so, so what makes you so resistant to changing our energy economy? Because it costs money. Oh, and does it? it? Uh, yeah. How, how much do we subsidize the use of our current fossil fuels today? I have absolutely no idea. I have um, no, no idea. It works out to be the equivalent of minimum 2 to $5 per gallon of gas that we subsidize it, and quite possibly two to three times that amount. But you do understand, obviously, that we pay a lot more for gas here in California because of the environmental conditions restrictions. You do know that, right? I'm, I'm saying I'm not counting that part in the subsidies. So, for example, air and water pollution make people sick. In the United States, the National Institutes of Health says that that alone costs us directly. And this is money you're paying. You're paying it through your insurance premiums or your tax dollars to for on hospitalizations for people who got sickened by air and water pollution, which is not greenhouse gases, but the same gases that cause that fossil fuels release greenhouse gases, they also release that other pollution. And that costs us $120 billion or so dollars a year. That's a subsidy that we're all paying when we use those fuels. Um, so is the cost of our, our military to protect the global oil do, supply. Do you, do you, and, and you know that every bad actor that we're spending huge amounts of money trying to, to combat, Iran, ISIS, Russia, they all get most of their funding from the fact that we buy 
fuel from them. And we have to do that because we refuse to use our own resources here in California, which we would, we are sitting on unbelievable amounts of natural gas here in California, and we don't use it because of these exact same environmental concerns, uh, with global warming being a big part so of that. if we so, did that, then that would not be sending the money to the, the bad actors in the Middle East anymore, but it would still be contributing to the hospitalizations and the asthma and, and the other, other costs. These costs are all real and you want to ignore them. You want to pretend that we're giving subsidies for, for solar and wind and you ignore, look at, you know, if you want to pick another person here as an example, look at what Elon Musk has said over and over again. He will get rid of all the subsidies that they're giving for solar if we get rid of all the fossil fuel subsidies. And then he can compete in a fair way, which is what I thought most conservatives want is a free market. I disagree with a lot of the premises of your statement, but my <laughs> biggest concern, though, is that you guys are asking us and, and guilting us into making enormous changes to the way our economy works to solve a problem that we're not 100% sure, at least... Well, we're 100% sure. Well, I'm not. Um, and, and, uh, right, but you can't find a scientist who will tell you that this is not, not a real problem. That's You're not point true. to Matt Ridley, he's not a scientist. That's not true. I mean, you, they, they, well, to me, to me, why, me why is... What's the 90, why do you guys tout the 97% number? Like, like I told you. So what's, what, who are the other 3%? Why is but it those not 100%? agree that are adding fossil fuels to the atmosphere is going to cause and is right. causing global warming. The only thing that they're disagreeing about is how bad it's going to be. They're going to say, hey, we can adapt for these. It might even have some benefits. That's what those 3% uh -huh. are saying. Well, so you, but you have, so the equivalent here is you go to the doctor and every single doctor tells you, yes, you have cancer, but 97% of them say you need chemotherapy and 3% of them say, just leave it alone. You'll be fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy the idea that you guys are like medical doctors. I mean, you, you, the weather people, People can't even tell me what's going to be three days from now. So okay. I, 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 now, I, now I see you're showing. You should be embarrassed by a statement like that. That right. that shows a clear misunderstanding of probabilities. Mm -hmm. Okay, weather is a probabilistic effect. The fact mm -hmm. that we can't tell you, um, I, I can't predict where you're going to be in three days. Okay, but I can, with fair amount of confidence, say you'll still be alive. Okay. Um, but and I don't know if you're, and you're not even a medical doctor. Isn't it amazing? Right, but that, that, that is kind of amazing, <laughs> isn't it? Because I can make statistical statements much easier than I can make individual probabilistic okay. statements. And but, you're, you're convoluting the two. Let me, let me get back to, to where I was going here, which is the, the bottom line of this, the ultimate goalkeeper, if you will, on, to me on this argument, is even if I accept everything you're telling me, everything, which I don't, but even if I do, the last line of, the, of defense here or the last hurdle that you guys need to get over is I don't see the evidence that we can do anything about this, uh, especially not on our own, when, when obviously we're a, the United States of America is a relatively small portion, significant, but small portion of the world, unless you have China and India and other elements of, of the world uh, that are willing to get on board here, there's nothing we can do to change this anyway. Um that's that's a very fatalistic attitude. Um, it's realistic. No, it's not realistic. Have you ever heard of global trade? Uh, if we sell energy technologies that make energy cheaper and cleaner, guess who's going to buy it from them? From us, the rest of the world. This is not a question of no. But why? Why would the Chinese buy buy on to any of this when they can make more money just ignoring all of it? Why, why would they well, do right that? Right now, they're actually the global leaders in these technologies because we've been stepping away from that. So we're going to end up buying it from them, which is what but happened are, are with solar they, panels. Are they example. creating more or less carbon dioxide than they were ten years ago? I mean, they're 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 the largest populated country in the world, and they're they're a, a growing economy. Uh, right. and so, but, so. but we could have done something about this a long time ago because we've known about it and people have been resistant. Because, And the reason people have been resistant is because they put it in an our side, your side. Again, I don't have a side. This is not a political issue. We can, be, we can have all the conservative politics you want, and it won't affect me one bit on global warming. This is a scientific issue where we know what's happening, we can predict the negative effects, and we know how to solve it which is by changing our energy over to wind, to nuclear, to solar. Um, those things 
will solve this problem. We will, because of the amount that we're subsidizing the fossil fuels, as a country, we will end up with more total energy than we have now at lower prices than we're paying now because we're so heavily, heavily subsidizing the fossil fuels at the moment. So this is a conservative solution here. It's bringing the market into play to solve a problem that science, not politics, tells us is real. I, doctor, let me let me finish with uh, giving you the opportunity to just basically lay out what do you think the greatest misconception is that people like myself who are skeptics have about global warming? Well, it varies. I would say in this case, I'm talking to you here, I would guess that your greatest misconception is that this is some sort of political issue. It's It's not. Margaret Thatcher showed us. Wait a minute, hold on. Because Margaret Thatcher made a one quote in 1989. Oh, she wasn't the only conservative. George H.W. Bush. Uh, there's, this did not become politicized until some people, and I don't, can't tell you exactly who, decided to make it politicized in order to stop the action that they saw impending because of this clear scientific argument. I, I so. couldn't, I, I think that that is really naive. When you consider that uh, the, the politics of the people who are making this argument are uh, inherent with academia are, are overwhelmingly on the left side and on the liberal side. Would you not acknowledge that? I mean, um, there, statistically, there are some, but look at the number of conservative, the, the uh, conservative case for climate change that was published last year by George Schultz and uh, Dan Baker and a whole bunch of other former Republican administration officials saying exactly what I'm telling you here today about the fact that the science is clear, the subsidies are clear, and we will be better off as a country by adopting a policy that moves us away from this because we'll have more energy for less money. There's lots and lots of conservative politicians saying this. They're not, I agree, when you look at people's political things and, and you make a percentage, yeah, more of them are going to be liberal, but that has nothing to do with science. Science is not liberal or conservative. Science is evidence. And the fact that you have more scientists who happen to be liberal is, is Unrelated to this, See, I I think that they came to this conclusion partially because they are liberal. It's the liberal. It's a liberal worldview, and they are rock stars within the liberal because we community. Were all such big fans of Margaret Thatcher in the well, late eighties. Boy, you are really giving uh, Margaret Thatcher a lot more credit than she deserves. No, she actually deserves this credit. Okay. She was a pioneer well, in this because she understood the science, and and she was willing to look at scientific data regardless of where. It took her relative to her political beliefs. As am I. If you guys could give me a good prediction uh, that, that turns out to be true, I might be uh, very convinced. Well, One, that, that would be that would be nice if it were true. But but I've given you lots of predictions. No, 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 no. That something that I can come. Some tell me something that, that I can see, I can touch, I can know for sure so, is real. So you want a prediction about the whole globe to be something you can touch here in front of you. You're not willing to look at data that's been collected from around the world. I'm put it onto a graph. That that's not good enough. When for you. when the data is collected in a different way than it has been previously and the data is from a snapshot, a snapshot in time that concerns me. By the way, that reminds me of something I forgot to ask you. What about what do you say to those people on my side who go, "Wait a minute. In the 1970s there were all sorts of periodicals and uh, and and uh, reports coming that we were going into a global ice age because of the same issues of, of, of the carbon dioxide and the greenhouse effect and all that. What, and that turned out to be not just wrong, but you totally flipped on it. And then, so, so hold on. You just made that up. Because it is not true. I have done that research on it myself. I've I was seen, a student I've in the seen 70s. the articles. Yeah, Time Magazine had an article about there it. Were once. Time Magazine there were is not a scientific journal. I've gone back and looked at the scientific journals. There were two or three articles out of that su suggested there might possibly be a global cooling trend. And in fact, what they were talking about was in the absence of human input. So they were very clear on it. When at the same time that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of articles saying we are already starting to cause this. 
So you're just making stuff up. No, I didn't make that. No, well, well you well, read there, it from somewhere else. No, I've you. I've seen the periodicals. You I've saw seen Time Magazine. No, there was more than just Time Magazine. I've seen them. But the point. Go the find point, a single point, article for me in a scientific journal where somebody said it's going to cool, irrespective of what we do to the planet. You cannot uh, wh- find wh- that. Why would anyone have written that? Because it wasn't true. Like just like it might not be true that the war- the globe is going to warm because of of human behavior. So I mean, you're not willing I mean, to trust scientists because some scientists are Democrats. Who are you no, willing to trust? No, no. Are you kidding? That's not it at all, doctor. I'm going to trust someone who tells me something that's going to happen, and it turns out to be true, just like a medical doctor does. That, that would be nice, like I said, if you were actually willing to look at the data, but you, no, no. Uh, the data do show the predictions having come true, and you're like, not willing to okay, accept it. it. Let, let me give you an example. If if the New Jersey shoreline was shrinking to uh, where the boardwalk was no longer uh, in existence, or if uh, you know, if we really, honestly, uh, the the azaleas in, at Augusta were blooming in February, or things like that, if that was happening, if the polar ice caps really did disappear, like Al Gore said they were going to, I would go, oh, okay. Yeah, this is clearly real, but that's never, that's not happened. But you're, you're, you just claim the polar ca- ice caps are not melting when no, the no, no. data There's, show very clearly no, that they, they go are. back and forth. It's no, a cyclical thing. It is not cyclical. We have been measuring the melting rate. <laughs> Again, you, you, the data is right here in the book. You can choose to ignore the data, mm-hmm. but but go ahead. Don't don't claim that your side is is all these smart people who have looked at the data closely when you're not willing to look at it yourself. I'm, I have no problem with looking at data. That's not the issue. But you don't accept the data. No, you don't no, accept I think the that data the, I think that when we're talking with about pretty small differences in numbers, that, that the uh, small factors can create those differences. I think, frankly, that a lot of what has happened here is that you guys have taken statistical noise... You've taken statistical noise and you've extrapolated based upon statistical noise. And extrapolation is incredibly dangerous because it does not uh, take into account cycles. So all of the people that you're calling my side are scientists who spent decades Mm -hmm. learning, studying, doing research. And you're telling us that we're too dumb to understand no. how to look at the statistical data, how to look at the extrapolation. I think you became You're invested. Saying, why? How am I invested in this? <laughs> if you turn out to be wrong, you're all going to look like dopes. <laughs> no. If I turn out to be wrong, which isn't going to happen, but if I did, I'd be so happy. My kids won't have problems to deal with that I'm worried, very worried about them dealing with. I would love to be wrong. Okay, well, I'll respect that. If that's true, I respect that, because that to me is one of the signs that somebody is being sincere and legitimate that they actually would be fine with being wrong. And my perception. That's true of everybody who's studying this. It's not maybe true of a politician, but of the scientists. Who who cared about climate climate scientists before the global warming craze? No one cared. Now you're now you're all now you're all rock stars. No one cared before. This gave a reason for people to care about you. Plus, you get more money for studies. I'm not getting any more money. I'm not saying you. I mean, people in your in, in from your side of this. Scientists can get money to to do research if they're doing good research. It doesn't matter what the topic is. The, the money's been redistributed. This is a far things. sexier topic than it ever was before we decided that the globe was warming, we were all going to die. You know, I can virtually guarantee you that almost every one of these people would way rather be working like I did coming up on uh, learning about the universe and getting ready to send people out into space. Um, this is not the sexy topic that everybody wanted to spend their lives working on. The data have pointed us to this direction and said, we have a problem, we need to understand it, and we need to solve it. Well, uh, that's a good place to end, Dr. Jeffrey Bennett. I do very much appreciate the conversation. His book is a global warming primer. You can actually find this for free on the Internet. Is that right? At globalwarmingprimer.com. I have the whole thing posted for free. So I hope you enjoyed that as, as much as I did. I think it was... Uh, a very interesting discussion slash debate. Again, I, I do emphasize that what's most interesting to me is that he really did concede a lot of the major points. Like, for instance, as one example, and he made it sound like it was no big deal, he acknowledges that this whole correlation between temperature and carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide 
yeah, it was temperature that came first. See, Al Gore became famous in this realm for those graphs that he used, lining up temperature and carbon dioxide level. But if you looked really carefully, because he wouldn't let you do that because, you know, he puts this big graph on a screen for a few seconds and then moves on and never really gets into the details. If you look at the details, it's pretty clear that temperature comes first. That's a problem. <laughs> if you're arguing that carbon dioxide increases are causing temperature increases, yet the temperature increases are preceding the carbon dioxide increases, that's a problem. But my major point here is that I just wish these guys could come up with a prediction that turns out to be right. If they did that, then I would start to go, oh, okay, now you have credibility. Now you're overcoming the immense hurdle that you should have with the burden being on your side of the argument. But these guys tend to believe that the burden is on our side. Wait a minute. <laughs> How did that happen? That's not the way this is supposed to work. You're the ones that want change. You're trying to convince us of something that's really quite dramatic. You need to prove it. And to me, when they start to say, or have been saying for quite a long time, the debate is over. The consensus is in. We need to move on. As soon as you say that, uh, I get the heebie-jeebies. Because then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why are you hiding? What, what, what are you worried about? What, what, why don't you want to debate this? If this is such an easy debate, like from a political standpoint, I always say to my Democratic congressman friend, John Yarmouth, who is a believer in global warming, climate change, I said, if, if you guys really think this is a winning argument, uh, why would you want the debate to be over? I would want to pound the living crap out of the opponents. Uh, if I had a winning argument that I knew for sure I was right about and that everyone was believing, give me that every single day of the week. I'll bludgeon you to death. So why do you want the debate to be over, John? <laughs> I'm sure, by the way, when I play golf with him, I'm heading up to Pebble Beach uh, for Memorial Day weekend to play golf with him and his son as he gets ready to be married. So I'm sure this will be a discussion that will not be recorded, but I'm sure it will be duplicated in some way, shape, or form, probably, as we're looking at the uh, the shoreline on Pebble Beach being exactly the same as it has been since, when, when, since before we were born. But again, I digress. So uh, that was uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bennett astrophysicist, uh, and I thank him for his time and for paying for my parking. That's uh, hour number three of this edition of the World According to Zig podcast. As always, I only ask two things of you. One, make sure you share this via social media, Twitter, Facebook, or word of mouth, what have you. And uh, number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps, and when you sleep, you use sheets, do yourself a favor and pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, one, two, one, two.